You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Well met, fellow adventurers. It is time to continue with the second with more proving grounds. Okay, where where is it? Where oh here it is. Alright. The next part is called Bard Crossing. The conclusion of the previous part. Standing alone outside the stables, with the muffled din from the silver shaft spilling out onto the lane. You try to put your encounter with the old man out of mind as you carefully contemplate the first step of your impending journey. A quest which you hope will ultimately provide you with the final piece of the symbol that adorns your wrist. As your thoughts turn to the symbol, you glance down at your wrist and study the strange marking, suddenly and profoundly aware of its significance. The spread wing silhouette of the fearsome bird of prey resting snug against your flesh, missing only its middle portion, is the mysterious key with which you hope to unlock the secrets long ago buried beneath the mists of Fogborough. And now, in the common womb of the silver shaft and in on the road between Twithick and Mixbrook, the inn was crowded. The odour and din of the throng that filled the popular hostel's common room made him swirm. Had he not the keenest interest in observing the pair seated just across the way, would have long since fled out into the fresh air. He stayed and he watched, sipping on a steaming vessel of paleo. He allowed his eyes to wander the womb, who never to linger on the two souls yet oblivious to his lurking presence. He couldn't, he couldn't hope to hear what they were saying, but he was convinced that it mattered. He had only to see it. His first glimpse had left him uncertain, and he was determined not to let another chance slip by. As he had already, she had already asked once, and might easily make another request. There it was. The young woman was again holding her outstretched, holding the outstretched man, the seat, man seated across the table from her. She intently studied his wrist before letting go 
and sinking back into the chair, apparently satisfied that she had been with what she had seen. He fought the urge to smile as a sense of satisfaction welled up from within. He had seen enough to convince himself the man's wish did not yet bear the completed mark. Nervously stroking the bridge of his nose, he contemplated whether or not there was still enough time to set into the place the last, most intricate pieces of his scheme. He wanted to believe there was, but he was far from certain of it. With his immediate task successfully concluded, he found himself suddenly overcome by the closeness of the womb. Plainfully mindful of every shallow breath, he thought back against the desire to leap to his feet and rush for the door. He started to sweat. The man, those formidable abilities knew a few equals, trembled, seemingly helpless in the face of a towering wave of panic now sweeping to sweep freshening to sweeping away. In one mo moment, every eye in the womb was upon him, stabbing through his guys, piercing the carefully woven veil that concealed his every attention. Then, with his next breath, he was again safe, unknown, an anomalous face, indistinct and unremarkable. He breathed deeply, and widening himself of all that was at stake. He recalled the far greater fears. He had all... He had already stared down to reach this point. The memories brought him some small measure of comfort, but they did not entirely alleviate his distress. A legion of a thousand wailing demons seemed a prospect far less terrifying than that of his eyes carelessly meeting the innocuous gaze of a nearby stranger. A sudden rush of air, and the sharp groan of hinges, all but begging for oil, drew his attention to the door. There, standing on the threshold, framed against the clear light of a bright afternoon, was a young, unshaven man, man his head topped with a broad-wimmed, leather-stained hat. The very look of the new arrival seemed threatening. They were not in any readily identifiable way. Okay, this isn't... This isn't the man we've just met. Must be Scavenger himself. Because I think he's the only person who would be such a master of disguise. And have an interest in this. The young man's entrance, which had garnered the attention of many in the crowded room, seemed to provide an adequate distraction. Breathing rapidly, with sweat streaming down his brow, began to rise from his chair, only to quickly retake his seat. The man who had just entered was making his way over to the pair he had been watching. Yep, 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 this is the Tal Talin Glen, something like that. The panic that had momentarily gripped him almost instantly vanished, replaced by a familiar, cold, determined sense of purpose. He saw an opening, a fleeting opportunity, a fragile link in what he had come to believe was an unbreakable chain, slowly drawing deep breaths. He whacked his hands around a paleo mug, letting the vessel's penetrating warmth flow into his fingers. Endeavouring to disregard his surroundings, he tightened his focus on the scene about to unfold at the table, crossed away. There was a new face to sear into his memory and, just perhaps, a 
another piece of the puzzle to be gleaned. He watched and waited. Your journey is underway. The day after your meeting with Emnit Harla and Talanin, Talilen, you embark on the first leg of a journey. A daunting trek that will take you south along a well-travelled highway that hugs the western shore of Moonlight Lake before ultimately joining an ancient road that will plunge through the very heart of the vast wild of Silmbrun Forest. With your every thought focused on the track, task that likely awaits you at journey's end. The hours and miles slip by beneath the sure shod feet of your steed. Thank you, Stormgate. The broad road, following the northwest corner, shoulder of the Great Lake, gradually becomes an ill-repaired, meandering path that carves its way into the rolling expanse of forested hills. Less than two days after leaving the Silver Shaft, you reach Bard Crossing, an ancient stone bridge that arcs over a wide, sluggish tributary of the Wither Twinned. As you draw up to the foot of the sturdy span, you happen upon a scene that immediately makes you mindful of the dangers inherent in wandering through the more remote reaches of the wild. Ooh, what could it be? Well met, sir. The grey-bearded... Leather-clad man, stepping away from the foot of the bridge, holds up his hands, signalling for you to halt your approach. Behind him, seven other men, garbed in the recognisable attire of Tyson soldiers, stand gathered around the bloody bodies of three men at the side of the road. A few yards away, near the edge of the wood, eight horses stand, stand grazing. Not a very pleasant find, I'm sorry to report, says moving up to you. I hope your constitution's not prone to shock. Seen anyone else on the road this morning? The man, who introduces himself as Captain Nurkunis, nods when you shake your head and tell him that you've yet to encounter anyone on this lonely stretch of road. When you ask him what happened here, he shrugs, glancing back at the direction of the bodies before answering. Bandits, perhaps, he says. There were arrow wounds in two of them. The other was hit with an axe, or something of that sort. Probably rode into an ambush. They are wise to be travelling together, but numbers alone aren't enough to discourage all outlaws. Bandits around here are are keen to lay their hands on horses over most other things. You ought to be very careful riding through here alone. Mean that only, only, as only a friendly bit of advice, mind. Look like you know how to take care of yourself. I do, I do. The captain tells you that he and his company came upon the bodies less than an hour ago, while on their way north to meet up with the west of their regiment at the outpost at Leaning Rock. You ask the captain how he knows that the slain humans were horsed, and he points to the edge of the stream, just to the wise of the bridge. There, his hindquarters submerged in the sluggish flow, lies the carcass of a sturdy palfrey. A single feathered shaft protrudes from just behind the creature's front leg. A wayward shot by any wrecking, he says. Like I've just said, the bandits in these parts seek horses above all else. They wouldn't have killed the beast on purpose. 
I'm somewhat surprised they didn't try to retrieve their arrows. Despite the plausibility of all the captain has said regarding the three slain humans, something about the scene, apart from the obvious, unnerves you. When you make, when you make a few genuine inquiries about the well road ahead, the captain informs you you're nearing the town of Briar Mill. You've got most of today ahead of you yet, he says. Nice enough town. If we only ever stop over there for the night. And not very often that. In fact, if you'd like to know what, the sharp, unmistakable crackle of energy fills the air. Next page. Next. Next. Clearly unnerved by the ominous sound, the grey-bearded captain and his fellow soldiers instinctively draw their weapons and pull themselves into a loose formation. But in an instant, the entire regiment vanishes. Only small, swiftly scattering piles of white dust remain to mark the spots where the eight men stood. Eight men stood. I mean, are they dead or were they never here? I don't know, it's on. It's pretty spooky either way. The dark-haired man, his green tunic drawn slightly around his lower waist by a long blue slash, steps out of the forest and onto the road. He glances at the bloodied remains of the three slain men and grimaces, then holds his left hand towards you, displaying the sinister symbol scarred onto his palm. You stare in disbelief at the marking carved onto his grimy flesh, a marking that depicts a clawed hand clutching an eye. The mark of wound skin. As the man's expression rapidly twists into a leering grin, you instinctively fall back, drawing yourself into combat ready stance. For a fleeting moment, time itself seems to slow, and the sounds of the world around you fade to little more than a muffled, incoherent din. In the blink of an eye, your surroundings change. You're standing on a rugged, charred ground of a fire, fire blackened plain. The desolate, stony lang landscape, riddled with smoking heaps of ash and debris, stretches in all directions as far as you can see. The heat here, both your feet, and, both beneath your feet and in the air, is intense, making it uncomfortable for you to stand still, and somewhat difficult to breathe. How do you like it here? You spin in the direction of the soft but sinister voice, and find yourself face to face with Emlet Halia. The young woman subtly morphs into the exact likeness of a dozen other people familiar to you. Then. The figure before you, more than quadruples in size, transforming into a hulking silver-woed being, his face concealed by the curtain of gloom cast by the bulky hood covering his head. Do you know where you are? An even more appropriate question for one so seemingly content to wander aimlessly would be, do you know where you're going? Yes, I am going to the caves of Mauermog. The voice is low, well, except I'm not going to tell you that, of course. The voice, its low, rumbling tone, now akin to the growl of approaching thunder, 
strips with derision. If you continue to wander without direction, you will encroach upon a most inglorious destiny, a fate customarily constructed for those lacking purpose, lacking vision, speaks the towering robed figure, his broad, heavily muscled torso evident even beneath the thick folds of his glittering silver robe. I have written you another destiny, a destiny of grand consequence. And, and yet, while this is a fate infinitely superior to which you would arrive at on your own, it is one I fear you will be loath to accept and unable to fully comprehend or appreciate. You are, as you must know, insignificant, but for one shining purpose. You are, until the moment arrives for you to fulfil that purpose, mine. You realise, beyond any doubt, that the robed figure, figure standing before you is none other than Woundskin. The hulking figure subtly casts off the silver robe and hood. A great wall of shadows rises up around you, stretching into the smoke-filled sky that drapes itself across the bleak, unyielding fastness of the smouldering plain. Then, in an instant, the shadow is gone, and the smiling nightness of Emmet Harlier again stands before you. The image of the young woman flickers and fades as a wide vortex. The black, churning mouth of a magical gate opens on your right. You stare into the gaping maw of the portal, wondering where it would lead. Despite your reluctance to enter the gate, you quickly realise that by lingering here much longer, you will likely succumb to the noxious effects of the poisonous atmosphere. Uh, I... Okay, so I step into the portal or remain my am. I'll step into the portal. You step into the portal and immediately tumble headlong down a winding tunnel of gloom. Strange shapes emerge from the darkness on all sides, only to swiftly retreat as they draw to within arm's reach. Suddenly, a fierce shriek scatters the silence. Your head snaps to the white and you watch with growing horror as a massive black silhouette of a dragon emerges from the side of the tunnel. The shadowy dragon opens its cavernous mouth and unleashes another shriek as it snaps at you with its powerful jaws. Alright, picking a number. Bonus of 40. 20 from agility. 10 from body. 10 from luck. Gotta get 75 or more. Or I'm gonna get bit. Pick now. 57. Failure. Cries of agony are whopped from your mouth as little more than muffled groans as the shadowy dragon's fangs tear into your flesh. 74 damage. Oh my. Which are then immediately healed. As you continue to hurtle downward through the tunnel of gloom, the silhouette of the great serpent soars after you. His fearsome shrieks assailing your ears as it closes in. Struggling to pull, up, pull yourself into a defensible position as you continue to plummet through the core of the portal. You bravely engage the Dragon of Shadow. Alright, I'm fighting a Dragon of Shadow. 
it's plus nine. This might be because it's scaled, or it might be because that's just how tough it is. All right. Silhouetted dragon roars and snaps its mighty jaws at you. Uh, I'm just going to keep bashing away. The savage bite of your enemy tears into your flesh for 13 damage. Alright. Another savage bite for 10 damage. Alright. And nearly down, nearly down. And is slain. 74 XP. And then I heal. The dragon of shadow shimmers brightly and vanishes, leaving you alone on your rapid, uncontrolled descent through the twisting tunnel of gloom. Suddenly, a strange, disorientating, disorientating sensation washes over you. In the very next instant, the dark tunnel melts away, only to be instantly replaced by a scene no less grim and bewildering. Disorientated and slightly nauseous, you manage to maintain your footing as your new surroundings come into focus. You're standing in a cavernous stone chamber, dimly lit by a pale yellow glow that now seems to have no readily identifiable source. There are no apparent exits. Lurking only a few feet from you, its features cloaked in shadow, is the hulking silhouette of an armoured ogre. You immediately discern you're once again in the presence of Runeskin. Uncertain what effect it will have, but unwilling to act as the pawn of the mystic, mythical fiend, you call out to the ogre, demanding he gather the courage to plainly reveal himself. A glutteral snarl and a reverberating, unmistakable wassle of laboured breeding precedes his response. Oh, what is 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 he injured or is is he just putting things on? I do not choose what it is you see, grumbles a deep, sinister voice from somewhere near the ogre's silhouette. When you look upon me, behold only that which you want to see, that which you are prepared to accept. It is not for me to decide such things for you. That would prove beyond even my power. You're caught, you're caught off guard by the whisper of humility that seems to have attached itself to Woundskin's last utterance. For a single fleeting moment, a thin sliver of your unwidled loathing for the despotic immortal gives way to a sense of pity. The sediment rapidly fades. Then you are ready for the five, snarls Woundskin, his voice suddenly erupting out of the far corner of the womb, completely detached from the towering silhouette still commanding your attention. In the times to which they belongs, they were kings. Relegate them, my champion, to a station more fitting to their craven elk. Woundskin's thundering voice trails away, becoming a soft whisper that lingers for several moments before fading completely. The immortal ogre's hulking silhouette, which has yet to move, suddenly vanishes. Before you can fully make sense of what is happening, a ghastly hiss from behind you shatters the silence, 
spinning round, you draw yourself into a defensive stance as your gaze settles upon the five staggering figures slowly emerging from the gloom. Five crowned skeletons, their eyes aglow with golden light, hiss wildly as they advance out of the surrounding darkness. The gruesome creatures, their fleshless torsos bearing only tattered remnants of the finery they knew during their time among the living, raise black-bladed swords as they move to encircle you. Defiant in the face of the encroaching undead menace, you prepare to fight. It's five crowned skeletons, and I'm going to fight them. Now, I wonder, if I, what's my MI of our Cryptilera staff? 242, and that has a 12 plus versus an undead. So it's actually stronger in this specific circumstance. Alright, I'm going to have that equipped then, while I'm fighting undead. Begin combat with five crowned skeletons. The five crowned skeletons hiss as they slash at you. Alright, it's a plus three, so it's pretty easy. Because I am so strong, so very, very strong. And you have slain your foe. 138 XP. You stagger back from the chattered remains of the five skeletons and struggle to catch your breath. Suddenly, the five undead warriors slowly rise, their splintered bones now covered with patches of decayed flesh, swiftly mend as they take up their swords. It's five crowned corpses. Okay, what? Well, they're being... I'm defeating them and they're being revived? Okay, this is nonsense. This is nonsense. All right. The five crown corpses snarl as they slash at you. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They keep snarling. And they are slain. 138 XP for that one. You cry out to dismay as the five corpses again rise up off the floor. Large patches of rotten flesh now cover the bones of the five undead fiends. Nearing exhaustion, you draw yourself into a combat-ready stance and prepare to engage the ghastly horde. Five crowned corpses... Alright, it's, it's plus 12. Fortunately, I'm getting some battle wages to help out. The five crown corpses snarl as they slash at you. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow for 26 damage. And I keep bashing away. Another devastating blow for 24 damage. Alright, let's just keep going. Devastating blow for 30 damage. Alright, just going to use some quickstone 20s. Devastating blow for 29 damage. It's very close to the end. And it is, they are slain. 138 experience. Once again, 
the five undead beings wise as their splintered bones rapidly mend. The gruesome warriors, festering flesh and skin, stretch tightly over their bones, retrieve their sword, sword and close in around you, their ghostly moans filling you with dread as they launch yet another attack. Okay, now I wonder, do they, does it get, I'm equipping the Simmering Silver Max, will this make them easier or harder? Five Crown Cadavers. Okay, plus, the plus nine. Alright, enemy, cry, five Crown Cadavers moan as they slash at you. Your enemy smashes through your defences with a devastating blow. Okay, does. Oh, they have a, it has an anti magic aura. Of course they do. Okay. Oh, these are pretty tough. Devastating blow 33. Okay. Quickstone time. The quickstone shimmers and glows bright red as it fully heals you. They keep moaning and I keep us slashing. Devastating blow. Another devastating blow. Third devastating blow. Devastating blow for 33. Then 20. Use a quickstone 20 there. Just do... Okay. Wonder Dragonfire. The deafening war fills the air as the powerful breath of fire explodes from the tip of your iron wand. Your enemy is consumed by the ravaging flames, taking 123 points of damage and is slain. Okay, now fully heal from that. 139 experience, 256 experience to general. Bathed in sweat, with your lungs feeling as if they're about to burst, you step away from the remains of your undead foes and warily draw yourself into combat-ready stance. Much to your relief, the crowned fiends do not again rise. As you cautiously step forward to examine their remains, you certainly spot the hulking, featureless silhouette of rune skin lurking in the gloom to your white. The immortal ogre snarls and then, somewhat unexpectedly, sighs. Five kings, lords of realms we might not help to reach had we a store score of eternities at our disposal. I no more, he grumbles. I expected as much from my champion. This was not a test, for I require no further proof of your abilities, of your worth. You will come to be grateful, I think, when you find the five empty thrones deep in that little maze into which you've been delving. Woundskin's silhouette stirs as the great ogre shifts his tremendous bulk. You listen as the sound of his laboured breathing echoes throughout the vast chamber. Once more, you call out to Woundskin, demanding he reveal himself and release you from whatever undoubtedly cruel enterprise he has drawn himself into you. You will come to know I am not your enemy. Not the enemy, he replies, his deep voice filling the chamber like the war of a waging air. At least, not 
your enemy. I do not expect you to understand that now. And perhaps not ever. But that will not stop me from helping you. From correcting a grand imbalance. From allowing you to see the small truth. Buried deep in what is little more than the imaginations of the deluded. From proving to myself that my respect for you, for all of you, unacquainted as it is and will ever be, is not in vain. Such would herald the end of all things, and I will not have it. Without warning, the immortal ogre's silhouette vanishes, leaving you alone in the cavernous womb. Before you can even contemplate the sudden turn of events, your surroundings melt away. The gloom-filled chamber is instantly replaced by a familiar and far more reassuring scene. The forest road and the stone bridge known as Bard Crossing. And I'm fully healed. That's very nice. Well, my stanima's fully healed. Magic stays used, but not much of it was used anyway. Struggling to ward off a vague sense of disorientation, your gaze is drawn to the bridge. There, standing at the apex of the curved span, your ha- his hands resting on his hips and his inquisitive stare fixed on you is the man in the green tunic. He again holds his left hand out to you, displaying the mark of wound skin scarred onto his palm. As he turns to continue crossing the bridge, you instinctively start after him, only to find yourself immediately confused and unsteady on your feet. With your head swimming, you reach the foot of the bridge and promptly lean up against one of its ancient columns as you attempt to regain your bearings. When at last your head clears and you've found some semblance of balance, you're dismayed to discover there is no longer any sign of the silent stranger. You also realise that you're on your own two feet, no longer astride your horse. Ah, you're right. I think the sight of those bodies have got onto you. It does happen, mind. With your heart pounding, you turn to find yourself... You find yourself standing face to face with the grey-bearded captain who, only a few minutes ago, along with the rest of his regiment, was disintegrated before your eyes. He hands you the reins to your horse, remarking on the fine quality of the animal. A fine capture for any bandit, he says, gently stroking your steed's neck as you climb back into the saddle. You toppled off after stealing a look at the bodies. There's no shame in it, though. Very grim business. You found the captain, and he regards you with a quizzical, somewhat concerned look as the seven men under his command begin to promptly tend the remains of the slain travellers. Okay, so I'm guessing that everything after I first saw the bodies didn't really happen. Well, that's wound skin for you. He likes to mess with my head. Yeah. Thing is, I'm pretty sure it was sent from Woundskin. And it's not entirely in my head, it's also in his head. Because 
Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Certain that you were alone, witnessing the strange events that took place only moments ago, you make no mention of the man in the green tunic, recalling the sinister, cryptic words of the immortal ogre. You're certainly not certain that anything ever happened. The captain again asks if you're all right. It's one thing to hear about something like this, he says, waving his hand in the direction of the three bodies. It's quite another to have to see it. See it. I can imagine the sight was quite a shock. Don't threat, though. You'll soon be over it. When you've seen some of the things I've seen, you learn to put them out of mind. Considering your deal of the past several, several minutes, an event entirely unknown to anyone else present, you do your best to retain your composure. You quite sure you're right? Well, I best go help sort out, sort some things out, he says. Safe travels, of course, and... Before the captain can finish his thoughts, one of the men calls to him. He excuses himself and moves over to the shoulders, pausing once pausing once more to wish you a swift and safe journey. As the small regiment toils away at the grim task of tending to the bodies of the slain travellers, you ride across the ancient stone bridge and continue south along the highway. If what you are told was accurate, you are within a day's journey from the town of Briar Mill. Through... Though it's been just three days since you left the silver shaft, the thought of a warm meal and a comforting glow of a fire make you wish. You had inquired of the captain and his men about the town's available lodging. With the unsettling events at Bard Crossing still fresh in your mind, you, s- you struggle to focus on the daunting endeavour that lies ahead. A task which you are simultaneously loath to consider and eager to be done with. And that finishes this part for 64 experience to general. And it then unlocks the next part, which is called A West from the Road. Which is what we will do in the next episode. And after saving right now, Until then, farewell, fellow adventurers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.